Hey, and welcome to Tomorrow. I'm your host, Joshua Topolsky. Today on the show, we're going to talk about James Bond, getting sober, and lots and lots of Apple. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode of Tomorrow with Joshua Topolsky is brought to you by Nadex, binary options trading. Say you think the markets are going up. You can go to nadex.com and make a trade on that. You're not buying stock. You're trading on where you think the price will be by a certain time. Trade the most popular financial markets with thousands of short-term contracts listed daily. Go to nadex.com and get started trading binary options. That's N-A-D-E-X.com. Futures, options, and swaps trading involves risk and may not be appropriate for all investors. Quick note about today's podcast. Uh, I'm actually recording from home in a very makeshift studio. Uh, So if the sound is strange, uh, it's your fault, really, when you think about it. No, I'm kidding. It's completely my fault. Uh, My guest today is a man that many of you know, uh, some of you love, many of you hate. (laughs) That's a really mean intro. Um, He's loved, he's hated. He's John Gruber. John, thank you for joining me. Josh, you always introduce me that way, and I don't think it's I do. true. I think I'm internationally beloved. You think you're, you think, uh, well, here's what, here's what I know. You and I come from a place, um, we come from a place, the internet, um, particularly the, the things that you and I have covered, uh, uh, there's a lot of passion. People are, can get very angry uh, about the things that you might write or that I might write. Uh, and so, and so I guess the, the, the love hate thing is, is actually just, is kind of a reaction to that. I feel like I've, I've, I've personally dealt with, um, quite a bit of both. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I've seen people comment on John Gruber on the internet. And uh, look, there's some guys, there's some people out there, guys and girls, that um, just don't understand why you don't love Android the way they do. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, to me, it's like the, I, maybe it's because I have a thick skin, but to me, it comes back. I'm going to butcher the quote, but paraphrasing Woodrow Wilson, who went from being like the president of Princeton to being the president of the United States. He said that the politics in the university were worse than the national politics. And he said, and the reason why is because the stakes were so low. (laughs) Uh, And I think that's exactly what makes people angry. Like people will get way angrier over me tweeting. I didn't even make a comment. All I did was tweet the facts and the screenshots and some GIFs over the new Android M copy and paste pop-up which yeah, is yeah. a lot like the one that iOS has had for years. Uh, and it just makes people furious because and then they start spouting off about all the things that Android had first. You know, like you right. pull down from the top and get notifications. Android had that for two or it's three true. years before iOS had it. That's true. And then they more or less did the same. That's just how the OS game goes. And you point it out yeah. and somebody thinks you're, you know, don't but you the think, stakes are so low. Don't you think we've gotten to a point now with, with um, Android and, and iOS that there's so many similarities that it's just you, you have to admit to yourself that they're going to borrow from each other at this point because it's like there's only so many ways to do certain things and and you know google figured out a couple of smart things apple figured out some smart things and inevitably they're going to be ripping off each other that's how that's how like the best cars get made yeah it's i think and i think what happens too and you know the same thing happened with mac and windows is and you you would never look at mac os and windows and say they look the same and that you know somebody who's an expert in one can sit down in front of the other and it's the opposite if you're the more expert you are the more you know the little differences right. and then it drives you nuts on the other system but for the the most part they do the same things but in the early years 
they were radically different. Right. And it's the same with, yes. with iOS and One Android. was good and one was absolutely terrible. I'm not going to say which, but I think we know. We both know the answer. I should. We should back up here, actually, because we just got right into a conversation about fanboys. Um, but but if you don't know, and I don't know who'd be listening to me and and John Gruber speaking to one another and not know who Gruber is, but it is possible. Uh, John has a very uh, popular, very famous blog. Can I call it a blog? Do you mind? Is that okay? Sure. Uh, called Daring Fireball, and uh, he's probably the world's most uh, influential and important uh, writer when it comes to Apple. Um, certainly. One, one of the most influential and certainly a, a very influential to the company itself. I think that you have a lot of fans within Apple who really respect uh, your opinion uh, and your ideas. And uh, and so anyhow, so, it's, you know, if, if you don't know Gruber, he's just a huge force in the world of technology, writing and uh, conversation. But you've been, you know, historically focused on Apple. Uh, and that's why I was talking about fanboys, because um, we do we have I think we're coming out of the haze of fanboyism, though, I think. Don't you feel like the fanboy stuff has died down a bit in the world? God, I, I really I don't like that word. I really don't. You don't but like the word. I know some people embrace it. Yeah, but some people embrace it. Like like the the Stephen Fry article uh, last week in the Telegraph announcing Johnny Ives' uh, promotion, and in the headline of the article, self proclaimed fanboy. So maybe that's yeah. just me. I don't know. I, I used to not like the word blog too. So maybe right. I, I just have some. Well, that's why. I, but anyway, yeah, blog's a weird word. I know what you mean. Do you think that it's not as bad as it used to be? I think so, and I think possibly it's because there's there's no underdog anymore. You know, I feel Windows, like people Windows have phone. finally. Yeah, but they don't really have big. They don't really have their big problem is they don't have anybody who's well. They, I'm not going to say anybody, no, but they don't really have a contingent of fans. Like right. that's the thing that drives that is if there's one platform that perceives that maybe that the fans of the platform die hard. I love this thing. I love Android. I love the iPhone or, you know, Mac OS. Uh, and I perceive that it might be getting squeezed out by somebody else that it, it drives people to be a little bit more fanatical. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. I mean, it, it, but you would think that it would become like a Republican Democrat, you know, uh, situation, which I think it has been for a long time. Um, it actually used to be, you know, it's just like you end up with these very binary options, right? These very, um, you had for a long time, it was Windows versus Mac. I mean, in, in, in the technology world, Windows versus Mac. And then, and then it progressed to um, iOS versus Android. And that has persisted. Um, it did seem like there was a point where potentially there could be other competitors in that space very early on. Uh, and then it, that just kind of disappeared. I mean, people, I just feel like, you know, you really can't have too many options. So I get why there's no uh, Windows phone. There's no really fervent base. of. I mean, there are people who love Windows phone and we should, and Windows phone is actually, listen, as an, are they still calling it Windows phone? Is that actually how people are referring to it? I don't even know at this point, but I think they might have even I think they might have even gone back to Windows Mobile now have because they? I don't they've think that's gone. True. You just made something. That up. Yeah. No, you but I think that, that they, I think they but not as a separate OS. They've got this whole thing now where they've they've unified on one right, it's Windows, OS. Right. And, yeah. For Windows for mobile. And maybe that's what it is. Right. We yeah, should, I should know this. Mobile. I should know this. I just haven't, you know, I, I, but the point is that, that there is a Windows operating system for mobile devices. It was, it's Windows phone, but you're right. There's not, you do hear people, you know, speak up about it, but you know, the thing is they're, they are the underdog now, which is such a weird thing for anybody for, for in the Microsoft sphere to, to be, uh, it's actually kind of strange. I mean, um, they're like, 
they went from this dominant force that couldn't be stopped and everybody kind of was mad at because they were so dominant too. You almost feel, I feel like a little bit bad, you know, like they should get a, you know, they should have a little bit more going on right now. It's like they made a pretty decent mobile operating system. I don't know what the answer is. I mean, people have obviously chosen. Anyhow, this is a rabbit hole. We're going down a Windows rabbit hole. We don't want to no. go down. Let's talk about Apple for a second. Um, and okay. then I want to talk about Google. Google just had their their big I.O. developers conference, and, and uh, I'm sure you have some thoughts on that. And you've tweeted about it already. But let's talk about Apple because WWDC is coming up. And uh, and there's the last few months for Apple have been really interesting. And I, I kind of want to get – I mean, are you wearing your Apple Watch right now? I am. Okay. So do you, you like yeah. it? I mean, you're into it. I, uh, I do. I like it more than I expected to. It's a long hesitation. I really went long into this. pause there, by the way. I find it very, I still find it low. These, I, I, what is it? I guess since the, the review units went out two months, almost to the day. So it's, it's been about two months, which is a lot more time than most people have had with it. Yeah. Um, I still find it very, very difficult to to figure out what I think about it and to write about it. And <laughs> right. I do get, I get asked all the time. And I'll say this: it is true, and it really speaks to Apple's uh, their their mind share. Is I get asked all the time about it. You know, I was just like at when you're the out ophthalmologist. Yep, yeah. my ophthalmologist. As soon as she came in the room, she was like, "Hey, is that is that what I think it is?" And you know, she's she's not an Apple expert, you know, but she instant and she doesn't know what I do. It's not like she knows who I am or what my career is. She's just there to right. you know, see what my eyesight's like. Uh, yeah. And then we spent fifteen minutes talking about it. Yeah, that's it. I, I actually have. Well, first off, they're rare now because most people don't have them. Even now, I mean, yeah. this is a, you know, Apple's has not been. I think they've not moved as many onto the wrists of people as they as they might have liked at this point. Uh, I know a lot of people who've ordered them ordered them on on you know day one and are still waiting. I have a, somebody I work with just got one like yesterday, and he ordered you know a couple of hours after the pre order started. So um, it, it's taking a while, and that was you know how long ago? That was a while ago. So I think first off, they're just rare. People haven't seen them, but I do think it is a it is the the first of this kind of device because there have been plenty others. But it's the first of this kind of device that people have, that the people really know about. I mean, there's like a Samsung watch and there's Android Wear, but none of those have made any kind of, there's been no marketing. There's been no hype, really. I mean, the reality is when Apple announces something, everybody pays attention no matter what, you know, and that is, that does speak to the mind share, but it also speaks to the fact that they're just better at delivering of story about a product than most other companies are, yeah. you know, like, like, yeah. And out. Well, I'll just give you another example. And uh, this is a perfect example of something that Apple really doesn't need or should get credit for is um, at at the ophthalmologist uh, yesterday. Uh, it wasn't just the doctor. I forgot. It was also her um, like receptionist who came in to do like the set up the room before the thing. She noticed it, too, and also asked questions about it. And she goes, well, and, and then she saw me turn my wrist and she goes, oh, my God, does it just turn on when you when you turn your wrist? And I was like, yeah, so like the screen's off all the time and you just turn your wrist and it turns on. And she was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. I thought you had to hit the button. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's interesting. What, Right. And it's like, that's what all of these watches do, though, or at least the ones that don't have an always on screen like the Pebble. But the right. ones that use a screen that that the energy consumption is such that you can't keep it well, on the, the, 24 the, hours. The, the, the Moto, the 360 is is on, uh, it's just a glance, you glance at it and, it and it turns on. It actually has, to be honest with you, I mean, the battery life is terrible on the 360, but it has a mode that also does an ambient screen, which is that even when it's 
like right. it's basically off it still gives you like a small amount of information which to me it's actually like you know you you you're talking about you you know turn your wrist and you see it one of the most annoying things about the watch to me was that it that and I actually I took it off for a while and then I put it back on the other day like I hadn't worn it for a few weeks and then I put it back on and cuz a friend of mine was wearing one and I was like oh, I should I should wear it again and um it, it started, you know, it's like it, it doesn't always turn on, and I find it to be so aggravating. Now, I, look, I know you wore a watch. I think we've actually talked about watches in the past like yep. at Apple events. I feel like we had conversations about watches, and so I know you've, you're a watch wearer. Now, doesn't it drive you a little bit crazy? There have to be moments when you look at your wrist and the screen doesn't activate because that's happened to me a lot. I mean, it's actually not like the majority of the times. It's it's but when it does happen, it's really notable because it's extremely annoying because you want to see the time or the weather or whatever. I mean, doesn't that drive you insane? It, I wouldn't say insane, but it's <laughs> it, it, in my week. You know, we our initial reviews. You and you and I both had like the initial batch of review units, and yeah. so we had what like nine days to write Something our like first that. review, yeah. and. It, I found that to be the hardest product review I've ever written in my career because I really felt like I'm still not familiar with this. And I felt very uncertain about making strong conclusions. And so, but I focused on the things that I knew that I was frustrated by or that I knew that I was happy with, but I knew that I was leaving broad swaths of the product out. But the one thing for me that was, and I, I I think I devoted like a thousand words to this was that I'm a longtime watch wearer. I've worn one almost every day of my life since I was a teenager, and I've, I've worn one every day of my life as an adult. And I'm used to being able to glance at my watch at any angle and just see it. Yeah. And it always is on, and, and it's driving me nuts. So I have a habit, and this is it's ridiculous. It makes no sense at all. I didn't even realize I had this habit until I, I started wearing an Apple Watch, is when I'm at my computer and my hands are on the keyboard and I want to check the time. I don't look up in the menu bar of my Mac and check the digital time. I look at my wrists to really? check the analog time. Really? Well, and part of that, yeah, and I think part of it is that I, I you know, there, I don't, digital digital time doesn't really make sense to me. Like, it, like if it says three colon two zero, in my mind, I have to convert that to like, the hour hand and minute hand. Really? I, like, That's strange. I'm so used to analog time. That's like some I, kind of I, I weird dyslexia. I, like you've got, you're dyslexic about just the time or something, but it's not the actual numbers. Right. It's like the physical representation of them. Yeah. That's so strange. I really, and, and, and so I just keep looking and I still have it. I still, even now, so doesn't, it drive, later, so doesn't I, it drive you crazy? I mean, I actually found this was one of the things that really stuck out to me in meetings. I'd be sitting there. My hand would be on the table. Like normally with my watch, I kind of tilt my wrist a little bit and I can just very casually glance. Like I don't have to do anything. You wouldn't even notice I'm looking for the most part. But on the watch, that's not even an option. I mean, you have to do something. You can't just casually move your wrist. I mean, you can't, your right. wrist can't be sitting, like you said, like if you're typing on your keyboard or whatever, you can't just kind of nudge it over towards your view and, and see the time. That was the, like, to me, that was one of the first things that stuck out was like, actually as a watch, it it is not that great in many ways, at least in that way. If I could have, if I could have one request, like my number one request for the watch, I think would be to have an ambient mode yeah. when it's off that just shows the hour and minute hands. And I understand you don't want a second hand because then it has to animate and that's going to consume power. But if they right. can figure out a way to just do the hour and minute hands, honestly, even if they did it and only updated it every five minutes, I don't think it would make that big a difference. But as long as it was within five minutes. I, well, I feel like you'd be, but you were saying you'd be looking at the time and it would be five minutes late and then it would turn to the next. Yeah, I don't know. That but seems it, like a bad. My guess, though, is. In I mean, that seems. Yeah. 
But how hard well, would it be every minute? Some kind of it would move the hand one one time a minute. I mean, really. But the, but the bigger question is, what kind of battery life are we talking about? If it's got to have this right. ambient screen, I mean, they'd have to. They're going to have to. But I think that is that is. I agree with you. That is a feature that should and 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 probably will happen at some point where they've got an ambient mode once the battery life is better. Right. Or they've done some other conservation elsewhere. But but like here's the thing. Let's talk about the watch for a second as a thing because. Um, I mean, look, you've spent essentially a lifetime studying Apple, uh, and and you know this company probably better than anybody. Um, you have a great affection for the company. That I don't think that's a secret. But but the watch, what's interesting that you said, that the, the, it was the toughest review you ever did. I, I thought it was also one of the most difficult reviews that I've ever done. And there are a couple of reasons. The first is that, you know, unlike, unlike – and I think this goes back to, like, if you can – I didn't review the first iPhone, but – uh, and I don't know. I don't know that you did either. I mean, you didn't really write a review of it, did you? I can't remember. But no, because I was. It was before. It. Yeah, I had did like an initial thoughts the night I got. Yeah, you know, I, and I didn't get a review unit. It was like the first day it went on sale, and it was like here's just a yeah. grab bag of observations. Right, and then but so the thing is. Even a phone has basic, there's some basic things you know about a phone. You know, you put it up to your ear, you can make calls on it, you can send texts. Those were things you could do before. The idea of something that had a browser on it, like a mobile device with a browser, was not unheard of. All of the things that that you kind of, that the iPhone did really well, it, there were other things that sort of did similar things. And a lot of people had phones in their pocket that had a lot of the functionality, not all of it, but a lot of the functionality. But with the watch, it was like, Okay, this is a totally new, just even to describe how it does a basic thing, like you get to a menu in this way, or this is how you use, you know, X app on it. You have to describe the process of actually doing that, which I found to be incredibly difficult, right? Like, it's a very tactile device. And so trying to just just explain to somebody how the thing functions first before even saying if the functions are good or not was very challenging. I th- I also had a, a problem with with trying to figure out what it what it was f- like why it existed and I and I asked Apple this I was like why does it exist and they didn't really have the people I spoke to didn't have a clear answer you know they said well it does this and it does that and we it's our most personal device ever and all this stuff and it's like I still feel like no one's entirely sure why the watch exists which is bringing me to my, my question for you. Does that seem unApple like to you and doesn't that suggest a kind of shift? in how Apple has traditionally approached products and product design. I'm just going to put that out there. Maybe. And I've certainly been thinking about it. And I think that the, the pessimist's take on, on the watch has been from the announcement, let alone when it actually came out, all the way from September until now, that, that it just is they made it just because they could make it. Right. Because there isn't one compelling, there isn't one compelling use case for it. I'm not so sure though that it's all that different from the phone. The phone they they sold initially with the you know it's uh, you know famously on stage Jobs is very very I mean the, the best introduction of any computer product that anybody's ever done with an Apple. Ever. But the whole the whole widescreen video iPod internet community breakthrough internet communicator and a, a breakthrough telephone you know the world's best mobile phone yeah all in one it's three different products are you getting it it's one thing it's a phone it's a great phone the best phone anybody's ever made uh an internet communicator and a widescreen video great. it's one of the greatest well, moments in technology out, right and it turns out it it really it was a good way to frame it and it was a great way and it was instantly compelling but ultimately it's the fact that 
it could run apps and it could do so many other things. I mean, think about what we all use our phone for now. It's like, right. it does things that, you know, I mean, like Periscope, like how right. would you have ever right. even thought of Periscope back then? Or it's Uber. Crazy, I, think Uber that, I think Uber is a really good one because it, it took something that, that it, it could not yeah. have existed without an app infrastructure, right? It, it took something that's so obvious and has been so horrible mm. for so long. Like I need a car or I need a cab right now. Yeah. And like, but, but no, I don't think, you know, Anybody, Steve Jobs included, uh, thought this will be an application for this thing. You know, it's a completely novel yeah. approach to a problem that everybody has. No, and, and I, I think you're right about that. But, but what were the? Th- but I guess you're, you know what? That's great though. Don't let's leave, uh, stay on Uber though. You're right though, because think about it from all three angles. Well, it has nothing to do with a widescreen video iPod. So forget the iPod. So telephone. Well, you could always call for a cab, but that's part of the problem. Calling for a cab is terrible. Right. Right. Because at least in any major city I've ever been in, the reason calling for a cab sucks is you have to pick a cab company, whereas what you really want is give me the closest cab of any cab. Uh, So the telephone technically could have solved the problem, but it was terrible at it. And then the Internet angle, though, is the part that we that none of us could have seen is nobody would have made Uber prior to 19 or to 2008. Because it doesn't make sense to have a website where you call for a black car. Like what you need is right where you are right now. You probably didn't have a web browser with you. Right. Did the, right? Did the, it doesn't make sense. Did the first iPhone have have GPS? I can't remember. Nope. I don't think it had. No, it didn't have GPS and it didn't have video. <laughs> there were a couple of like crazy. glaring omissions. No, it didn't yeah. have GPS. And it was, also, it was also edge, edge data. Right. Which uh, anyhow, but at the time, I mean, this is, we're talking about, by the way, you know, it's not even that long ago. When you think about it, it didn't have GPS. If, if that's right, and I, I'd have to check. I just want to double check on that. I'm sure people will angrily email me uh, when they hear this. No, I'm, but, I'm but, 99% sure. Are you? What it had was this. Uh, it had like fake GPS, me? didn't it? It was like using some kind of like cell yeah. positioning to do GPS. Exactly. Yes, yes. So it it gave you your rough position with self cell tower triangulation, but did not have GPS. Yes, exactly. No, but you're right. So that's a great example. But here's the thing. Oh, well, the internet communicator allowed it to do that, but that's the, like I think at the, you can say that third that third um, leg of of the whatever table I don't know um, that is the the reason Uber can exist and why it's such an interesting and innovative why the iPhone ultimately is so interesting and innovative. But they don't they there were not those three things for the watch, which is which is I mean and and I think to, at this moment can you think of what the three big like this is why the watch must exist because that's how i when i when you look at that that presentation and and jobs talking about the phone he really makes a point the phone must exist like my takeaway from it and 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 looking back at it is is he perfectly leads up to this here's why it must exist because the, there are other things that do a lot of this stuff but they kind of suck and we figured out a way to make it all better and and the thing with the watch is like there is no this, this there is no clear this is why part you know does that make well, sense they did try to, they but they did have they have their own uh sort of version of that th- three-way uh, three-way thing and they've been using it since september and i might be getting it wrong here i'm looking online and i don't see it but i know it's a fitness tracking it's an extraordinarily accurate timepiece yeah and it's a, a new way to uh to communicate right so definitely modeled on the I'm iPhone. Those to, are the three ten poles, right? But here's what's weird about that, and I've thought so right from the beginning: is that a a thirty dollar quartz Timex 
keeps really accurate time. Now, probably not as accurate as Apple Watch because Apple Watch constantly is checking in with a network time right. server. And, you know, as long as you have an internet connection on your phone, the watch is seriously going to be within le as accurate to within a second as your eyes can detect. Like your eyes right. can't see the whatever off it is. I mean, no one needs uh, that accuracy. You're not a computer. Only computers need that kind right. of accuracy. But it always struck me as a strange way to frame it from the beginning because they're also saying it's a premium watch. It's a watch that we're going to sell. Now, they, they didn't announce the initial pricing, but we could all tell right away that this was that the, the higher-end models of the watch were going to be expensive. And right. we spent months debating just how expensive the gold ones were going to be. But even the steel ones, we knew this is going to be expensive. But the funny thing is, and you know this, is that in the the analog watch – or in mechanical watch world, the more expensive watches, the ones that aren't quartz, the ones that are automatics, are actually less accurate yeah. than like a $30 Timex. So hammering on the accuracy, to me, was always a little weird. And then I thought about it, and I thought, you know what? This is a message for people who don't wear a watch right now. This is saying, all right, you don't wear a watch, but we want to get you to wear a watch, and the one we're going to sell you is amazingly accurate. And that's... Right. That's very compelling to people who know watches. That actually is like, of but course, is it, do you, think it, do you actually think that's compelling to people who don't wear watches? Because I wonder, uh, you assume every watch I assume, for, I mean, I would say generally speaking, and I actually do assume this, even though I know there are variances depending on the type of movement and that sort of thing. But every watch tells time. Like it doesn't, it's not even a good watch if it can't tell you the time. And everybody knows right. like, oh, if it doesn't tell time, I, well, then throw it in the garbage. So, so that it's a great timepiece doesn't strike me as a particularly effective selling technique for a watch. It's like those I are table stakes. So either. I don't think so either, but I chalk that up to my having already been like one foot in the, I like to wear watches. And I, like you said, like you and I have talked, you we know, like, but, Hey, I like that. Yeah. But we like watches, like but, watch but normal people, regular non watch wearers even do understand the basic idea of a watch yeah. is that it will tell you the time and it will be accurate because I mean, we live in a world where, you know, there are how many that millions of cliches are there around, like, the time, right? It's just, you expect, like, if you've got a watch, it's going to, even if it's a cheap, anyhow, I see what you're saying, but I think that you're giving, um, you're not giving the layperson, the non-watch wearer enough credit, John. Anyhow. All right. I'm <laughs> just, I'm just saying, I, it was no, a I weird hear... thing to put, to put up as a, as a one third of the stool of oh, why this thing exists. Then, I agree with then you. Then there's the communications angle and the communications angle we could go on and on about because there's this button. It, I still, uh, I'm not quite sure that the button justifies its existence. No, I use the I'm button with you on that. Uh, for the Apple pay, but it's, even so, I feel like there's something else they could have done, uh, you know, to trigger the Apple pay. Like double so tap communication stuff, put that aside. Then there's the fitness, and I think that for this watch right now, today, the fitness stuff is actually a, a completely compelling reason to get it. I, I do, the, the if you're interested in that, yeah. or vaguely The, the fitness stuff, actually, I thought was the most fully realized feature. Like, I got, if you basically are like, you want to get a fitness band... This is probably the best you can get. I mean, listen, I have Fitbit makes good fitness bands and Jawbone. They make like stuff that tracks your your you know what you're doing and it's pretty seamless. But it's definitely like as an offering in terms of um, style and ease of use and sort of basically the basic setup of getting you into tracking your health. I do think it's a really elegant product for that. And I thought that was the strong. I also felt in a way that was the strongest 
most compelling feature. Anecdotally, I know people who, um, like I have friends, several of them who are like developers who bought it. No, you know, bought it on day one solely or mainly for the reason of, I have to have one so I can write, you know, port my iPhone app to it, have an I, you know, a watch version professionally. I need to have this device. I need to be familiar with it, but I don't expect that I'm going to want to use it. And people who are not into fitness, people who've never worn fitness tracking before. And I know a couple of them who wear it, you know, all day, every day, and they are totally committed to filling those circles you know, for all three fitness things every day and that they'll do things they never would have done before. Like dinner's over, uh, go for a walk, you know, go for a two hour or two, two mile walk just to make sure they, they fill in that last circle. Right. Well, I mean, I get it. I mean, I think for now that's happening. I do think I've bought a lot of, I've actually bought a Fitbit and been like, I'm going to track my health. I'm going to get it, you know, and for a couple of months I I'll wear it and I'm really upbeat about it. And then I kind of forget it completely i mean do you don't you think it's possible this is just the newness of this thing at all i mean is that does that strike you as a potential issue it's possible i mean only time will tell but it seems to me that the way that apple has and i think that it's one of the things that they put the most most thought into the design of the os is the way that these reminders come up so that they're enough to motivate you but not so much that it it feels like your watch is right. nagging you and that the, these rewards, it just makes people, it sounds crazy, but it makes people want to make their watch which happy, is, which I is a disturbing phenomenon. I think if that's, if that's how people feel, but can we talk about actually, I mean, we're talking about the watch for a long time. Can we just say one thing? Can we just talk about how bad all apps are for the watch? Like literally, is there a single app that you use that isn't one of Apple's core apps? Uh, a very, very few. I do like that. But it MLB gives you like app. notifications when uh, there's like a change in the score or something, right? Yeah, but you could get that even if they didn't have an app. I mean, you could just have your phone set to give you right. the same Right, so why does the watch make it better? I do like it, though. It just tells you, like, I can just... It, it's a little thing, but you can just tell at a glance, you know, what who the Yankees are playing tonight, where right. and what time. Okay, but it's really yeah. noted. It's just kind of like a very basic very notification. Simple. I mean, I, Marco Arment's Overcast app is actually pretty good on, and this is a podcast app uh, for the iPhone. And so the watch version gives you a remote control for the podcast that you're listening to. Uh, and I think it's very good. And then you can do things like it, when a podcast ends, you know, you can go find another podcast you in your list to do it. I find that when I'm out and about in the city, that's great. So I don't have to take my, uh, my yeah. phone out of the pocket. And I think it's going to be even better in the winter when I, it's really a pain in the pain in the butt to take your phone that's, out of your pocket. Yeah. Except you've got to interact with the watch. You get to take your gloves off. That's a lot easier, though, than taking your uh, taking one glove off is a heck of a lot easier than taking a phone out of your pocket in a freezing cold so. weather. And taking a glove off in that case. But for so. the most part, no. I, I seriously question the... Well, but that's why I wonder if you want a computer on your wrist. I mean, because that whole premise to me is I think I'm... I'm, I'm this has left me questioning, like, okay, and, you know, Android's got their version. Apple has its version now. And neither one of them have been so compelling to me that I want to replace my traditional watch permanently with it. You know, and so it's like, does it? You know, is is this the answer? Is is like a watch replacement? I feel like it's a it's an answer to a question nobody has been asking, really. You know, I mean, even the fitness band thing. I feel like not that many people. I mean, yes, there's a market for it at the moment. I have yet I've yet to see any of them really prove their value. And I feel like most of the people I know who get fitness bands either forget about them in the sense that they don't think about what they're the data they're collecting. Or they take them off after a few months and you don't, you know, you never hear from them again. Not the person, but 
I guess they never hear from the. Well, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I mean, do, do, does that strike you at all as 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 a? There's not still not really like a compelling case for this thing. I don't think I. You know, and that's the thing when people people always ask people like me. I'm sure they ask you, should I get one? And it's it's yeah. a really tough question to ask. I don't think I think that the phone is is a. a a size and form factor that truly is naturally maybe the most essential computing device in your life. Most people I know, if they could only ha- if they committed some sort of crime and the punishment was you're only allowed to use one computing device, for most of them, the right answer is the phone. Right. Uh, it's just the you know best combination of portability and power you know like you can write it's on an it essential if you want to. it's an essential i mean it's an essential device for a modern human at this point right. i mean you can't I, really i you can't live like, without it I, right I, mean, I feel like the watch is sort of on the flip side of tablets where most people you know the tablet is nice to have and it's convenient in certain places you know i it i like to have it on my coffee table and if i just want to lean back and read it's great to have an ipad there um it's the first device, though, it, you know, pr- at least prior to the watch, that if I had to get rid of one, you know, of my Mac, my phone, and my iPad, without question, the iPad is the least essential. And I think the watch is sort of the micro version of a tablet, where it, it can be nice to have, but it's not essential. And is, is being essential an important part of making a device? I don't think so. I think there's all sorts of things <laughs> that we all have in our lives that are not essential. right. right. All right, we're gonna. T- I'm gonna take a quick break, and then we'll be back with more John Gruber. This episode of Tomorrow with Joshua Topolsky is brought to you by Nadex Binary Options Trading. The world's markets are changing, so are innovations in how we trade them. With limited risk and a simple yes-no design, Nadex Binary Options offer an affordable, exciting new way to participate in the markets. Nadex is the first CFTC-regulated, U.S.-based binary options exchange, offering thousands of short-term trading opportunities daily and weekly. Trade a wide range of markets, Forex, commodities, U.S. and global stock indices, even Bitcoin, all from one account. Binary Options ask a simple question. Will this market be above this price at this specific time, yes or no? If you're right, you profit and get the full $100. If you're wrong, you lose what you paid up front, but no more. Trade from your mobile, tablet, or PC. Go to nadex.com. That's N-A-D-E-X.com. Futures, options, and swaps trading involve risk and may not be appropriate for all investors. How great would it be if the post office was open 24-7? No more limited hours. You could get your mail-in and shipping done on your schedule. Well, now you can when you use stamps.com. You can print postage whenever you need it right from your desk. Stamps.com will save you the time and the hassle of going to the post office. No more rushing there during your busy day. Just use your computer and printer to get official U.S. postage for any letter or package. Then the mailman just picks it up. You'll save money with Stamps.com, too. You get the exact postage the instant you need it, so you don't have to overpay. And you can even get special postage discounts you can't get at the post office. Um, Stamps.com is enormously helpful. Uh, my producer uses Stamps.com. He mails all all Tomorrow-related packages are sent out from him using stamps.com and he can't uh, stop talking about it uh he's swedish so you know it seems like an incredible uh innovation to him of course um but uh, it is an incredible innovation full stop uh 
Uh, right now, you can use my first name, Joshua, for this special offer. You get a no-risk trial plus a $110 bonus offer, and it includes a digital scale and up to $55 of free postage. So don't wait. Go to stamps.com, and before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the page and type in Joshua. That's stamps.com, and enter Joshua. Uh, we're back with John Gruber. Um, we've been talking a lot about the watch. I want actually want to shift to sort of a broader conversation um, about about. Well, I mean, I guess it's kind of about Apple uh, and and sort of the future of Apple. Uh, I mean, I, I think that you know the post Steve Jobs Apple, there was a lot of people were really like, this is well, this could be the end of the company. You know, like they're never going to recover from this. You know, it was it felt like that 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 Steve Jobs was was Apple and that there, you know, that he'd come back and he'd completely reshape the company and that there was no, there was no escaping that, you know, um, that force. Um, do you think, do you think Apple has escaped that? I mean, has, has, has Apple, Apple on its own now, can Apple be Apple with any CEO or the right CEO, no matter who that person is? No, I don't think so. I think that they need, you know, I I don't think any CEO would, would do. I, I think, and, and if anything happened with Tim Cook, if he just said, you know what, I've had enough. I've worked my ass off for 20 years. I'm leaving in a year. Uh, whoever his successor would be, I think would almost certainly have to come from within. It has to be somebody who's already been there. And I think, but I think that they know that. And, um, I think that one of the most it's there it's just like everything else at Apple it's very secretive people know very little about it but I think one of the most interesting and important aspects of the company and one of the reasons that they have done so well in the what three and a half going on four years since uh, you know Steve Jobs stepped down and, and, and then died a few months later uh, is Apple University which is an internal uh, program for people, you know, employees at Apple, as they move up the management chain, it's like a business school within Apple where they teach, this is Apple's way of doing business and making product decisions. And here's all these case studies from our past. Uh, And it is a super serious endeavor. They hired a guy, Joel Podolsky, who was the dean of the Yale business school. Like, so, you know, in the same way that they got the CEO of Burberry, Angela Arntz, the CEO to take as a promotion a senior vice presidentship at Apple looking over retail, they got the, the dean or president, whatever his title was, of the Yale Business School to come to Apple to run an right. internal business school. And I, I, I... Well, they probably offered him a well, lot of money, think, right? They probably was probably a very high-paying job. Could, you know, I think on one hand, they could probably did do that. You have to imagine that Apple's generous when it comes to getting the uh, dean of... of uh, a business, very well yeah. Business I think school. you'd have to do both, though. I think you'd have to give him a very generous offer. I, I, you know, the weather is certainly better in Cupertino than it is in in Connecticut. Mm. Uh, yeah. But I think it also has to be intellectually stimulating, and it must be. But nobody knows. I mean, well, some people know because they take the courses, but nobody really seems to talk about them. But the whole idea is to, and I, you know, Jobs was had a you know a big part of it. It was to let's make sure that this thing, the way we do this, is an institution that that can perpetuate itself into the future. Right. Let's build like a basically. Uh, I mean, this is a sort of future proofing of Apple's 
of Apple's you right. know, ethos. So I would never. I certainly wouldn't say that I was certain that they would do well immediately in the first few years after Jobs left. But I would have bet heavily on it because the the whole executive team was still in place, and I think Jobs was obviously important. But I never thought he was essential. At least once they got off the ground, like he might have been essential in those years. You know, the the first half of his CEO ship. You know, the. 1997 through 2004, 2005. Uh, I think once they got to around 2006, 2007, they, they had turned into a machine that, that did these things regularly. To me, the bigger question is what happens right. 10 years from now when a lot of the people who were Jobs's first tier of you know, his inner circle, when they're gone? That, to me, is the question. Yeah. Well, I still... I mean, I and I still feel like Apple as an internet company, as a company that gets the internet and really knows how to operate in, in within it, has 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 lagged tremendously. And you know, so many of their efforts. I mean, like Maps. I wanted to ask you about this. Do you, do you you don't use Apple? No, Maps, I do. do. You? I do use Apple Maps. I, I actually really it it has worked really. well <laughs> I mean, have for me. you do you know do you know how much better Google Maps is though? Right. I uh, I'll tell you this. I honestly find the Google Maps app on my iPhone. I have it. And there are sometimes, you know, I, I, but it's been a long time since I felt I needed it. I think the last time was the last time I was in Europe or I was somewhere weird. I, I don't know, but I was somewhere in Apple maps where, where Apple didn't have that. I mean, I, I find that like, if you look at, if you look at a map of New York on Apple maps versus Google, I mean, the differences in information. And by the way, I mean, I even had, when I was testing the watch, I had this thing where I looked for Katz's deli on my watch and it brought up a Katz's deli in like, like uh, somewhere in 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 like Bucks County hmm. or something, really weird. Like it was the top selection. I was standing in the middle of Manhattan. I put in Katz's Deli, and it gives me a result for somewhere in Pennsylvania. I just feel like, but, you, but I mean, have you you really should compare and contrast the information you're getting between Apple and Google? I mean, do you use do you use it for navigation, like in your car? Yeah. So this is a totally true story. I'm not making this up. While testing the Apple Watch in the first um, week. This was, so this would have been like the first week of April. Uh, I And it, because it was the first week of April, I had an appointment with my uh, accountant to do my taxes for the year. And my account, I live in Center City, Philly, and my accountant is out uh, in the suburbs in a, a town called Erdenheim. And I've been going to him for years, and I kind of know how to get to him, but there's always a few tricky turns. But I thought, hey, this is a good time. I don't drive that frequently. And I thought, here's a good time to test the... Uh, navigation on the watch. And so I start driving and the watch tells me where to go. And there's this road in Philadelphia called the Schuylkill Expressway. It goes west out Mm -hmm. of the city. And it's the only road, really, it's the only real highway type road going west out of the city. But it is can be a traffic nightmare because huge chunks of it go down to two lanes in each direction and any kind of little accident. So one thing leads to another, and it's, it's telling me, it's tapping me, and it's telling me to make a right and get off the Schuylkill way before I usually do going to my accountant. And I thought, that is weird. And I was like, but let's see what happens. And as I'm getting off the exit, I look ahead, and traffic ahead of me on the Schuylkill is absolutely at a standstill. And it gave me these weird directions because it detected, I could see it as I took the exit. And I thought, wow, that is weird. And it took me, in a way 
that I through a part of Philadelphia that I've never been, and I thought this is crazy. I'm, and I thought I might have to call my accountant, and and calling your accountant in early April and saying I need to reschedule is like the worst because <laughs> you know that they're booked. I thought this is really going to be embarrassing, yeah. but instead it got me there about ten minutes later than r- normal directions with with regular traffic would have. And I checked, and the Schuylkill had absolutely shut down. A tractor trailer had overturned. If I had just not listened oh, to the geez. watch, I would have actually missed it. It it was perfect. It was absolutely. So I mean, and listen, I and I don't doubt that that was a great experience. But I mean, just like in terms of raw data, I mean, I guess my my point of, of talking about the maps. I mean, I am surprised to actually. I mean, I don't know anybody who actually uses Apple Maps unless they're totally forced into it. Um, but my point about that was that that you know Apple has been slow to get the internet. Uh, uh, even with you know you, you actually you wrote something about this the Google stuff that they just announced this, this photos app which is essentially just photos from Google Plus now taken out as a standalone app um, has a couple of other features but it's like this great idea it's unlimited basically unlimited storage for your photos auto uploading you're not you don't have to pay for it uh, uh, you know your stuff is available on the web in a really easy way I mean. It's like the kind of thing that it's like, why didn't Apple do this with its iCloud, you know, photo stuff? I mean, it, that's always seems so strange to me and so backwards and so unaware of how the Internet works and how people uh, like communicate on the Internet. I mean, don't you feel like that's a, that's to their great detriment that it, they, they continue to sort of miss the mark on that stuff? I mean, even with with, um, you know, this other thing this now on tap and some of the other stuff that Google's doing, you know, it just feels like their sensibility about how things are all connected and where they need to be in the midst of that is never has has never quite gotten up to I don't know just it's always seems like it's lagging like it's like a generation behind I mean does that to me feels like that's the bigger threat 10 years out from now I well um, I think it's they're going to keep making great hardware but I think it's I think it's I think that's a very complicated Topic. So just on Maps alone, my <laughs> sense is that Maps is sort of the inverse of iOS and Android general usability and feel, where Android has started behind and it initially was way behind and was really sort of a terrible product for a year or two. Um, like the what was the, the first HTC phone, the brown one? Uh, I mean, it was a really bad phone. Whatever it was, the was first it, Android. Did they phones. come in brown? It was the uh, it was the the uh, G one. Yeah, is it called the G one? It was a bad. It was a bad product. Um, with the flip, with the keyboard, yeah, and the little trackball, yeah. And <laughs> I yeah. have one somewhere. I should go pull it out. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, it was it was by comparison to the iPhone, it was not an iPhone. Right. Let's put it that way. It was w- w- way behind in many ways. And in my opinion, it's still behind. But they've they're they're tracking behind them within a few years. Like if you got a a brand new. Uh, what's the Galaxy S6? Yeah, or maybe the, even the Moto X. You know, there's a couple. Or maybe if you got one last year, a Moto X. But uh, it tracks to within maybe like the niceness of the iPhone interface from like two or three years ago. And I think. Oh, really? I disagree. I really disagree with that. I, I, I think. I think the iPhone interface is like woefully underdesigned and kind of hard to navigate. I find it, I mean, I listen, I use an iPhone, I use an iPhone. I've gone back from Android devices to the iPhone many times. I've been like frustrated with, you know, little things here or there. I'm a fan of the iPhone, don't get me wrong. But don't you look at what Google's doing in design and in terms of like the way apps interconnect and multi, even just basic stuff like multitasking and don't you see like they've they've kind of like I feel like they've kind of 
kicked Apple's ass on design, just generally on like UX and UI. Well, we'll have to. Disagree. You don't feel that way? No, I do not. I yeah, do, I don't. I, I feel that. And That's I, really interesting. I mean, have you used you've used it like a like a lollipop device? I mean, you've used yes, I do. Yourself? I have a uh, whatever the latest generation Moto X. Uh, I think that's what it's called. Yeah. I have it here. It's it's got yeah. like a bamboo back. It's, that's actually kind of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, no, I feel like some of the things they do to me are a little. What Google's done is a little ham-fisted. Like I feel like the animations when you tap down on a on a button, it's like it's actually very. It's way better than what Android used to be able to do, and it's it, the timing is great. Like in terms of frames per second, but it's actually a stupid thing to do to have an animation on tap down instead of just instantly light it up. It actually, to me, makes it feel slower, I mean, even though I know it's not. But that's that a, sounds like a, that's a very small nitpick. I would point oh, to something nit- like but the that's keyboard, all the, that's- the Google keyboard. Actually, like like the usability of the Google keyboard with its like swipe feature by comparison, what Apple has done in its keyboard. It's like so much of a better experience, in my opinion. I actually feel like they've weirdly surpassed Apple on the keyboard. So, and but that's just but just little things like they. I, I see. I remember we had a conversation when when Apple introduced iOS seven about. I, maybe you wrote something about this about the how you felt it was really logical. The layering that they built in was a, had this really logical system, and it was it made a lot of sense. And I feel like they completely don't make any sense. Like the layers of iOS are total throwaway, like meaningless design features that aren't actually reflective of a system. Whereas in if you look at what Material Design is doing. It seems totally reflect. God, by the way, this is such a nerdy conversation. I, I mean, for, even for people who are nerds, <laughs> this is like down a, a total nerd hole. Um, but like, I just feel like material design actually the, the the concept of the layers seems to have some basis in a system in reality, which is also just I don't know. It just looks better. Don't you think it just looks better? No, I really don't. I really don't. I, although I think it looks yeah. way better than what <laughs> they've done before, and I also happen to like the way that it looks better than than uh, the Windows Phone. But I, there are aspects of iOS 7 and 8, though, that I don't think look great. I don't think any of them look great in the way that – and I, I, I'm not – and again, I don't want to open the doors on the whole skeuomorphic textures thing. But in the way that that first I, iPhone, given the, the styles of the last decade and what was in style user interface-wise, that looked perfect. That really looked great. It, looked like a complete, it felt like a complete thought. It felt like – I mean, I'll say this. I mean, looking back on it now, you're like, wow, that's so silly. And many of those things look so silly. But it felt like a complete thought in that all of it was interconnected and meant to sort of express the same feeling. And that, and that frankly, the, the interface, the way you moved through it was all relatively obvious, you know? Uh, I feel like that changed so dramatically in iOS 7. And, and graphically speaking, just... On the raw, like iconography, for instance. Uh, well, you know, we've talked about this before, yeah, but, but I, I just think you don't want to I open think, the door on iPhone. I think Android's really lapped them in design, which is something that I, I thought I would never see. I thought I would never say Google is actually doing better design than Apple. That seems crazy to me. You know what, actually? So not to go back to the watch, and I'm going to ramble a little bit, but some of the design of the watch is really inspired. In particular, the fitness app, I thought was like really inspired, really um, totally thought through design. Which does not seem well represented across like all of the rest of the OS, and maybe we'll see something different at not you know maybe at WWDC in a uh, a week or whenever it is, we'll see some iteration on on that stuff that brings it closer together. I don't know. I, I we're so all over the map, which is every That's podcast fine. ever. I will <laughs> yeah. say this: I I've thought about this with the fitness stuff. I told you earlier that I think the fitness stuff is the most compelling use case to buy 
the watch today? Uh, like if you just want a simple, should I buy it or not? Are you interested in fitness tracking at all? Yes. Then you should buy it. That's my, if you want like a 10 second, should you buy it or not? I yeah. also think I agree with you. I think, I think the interface on that stuff is excellent and really thought through. And it really makes me wonder how long Apple has been thinking about fitness tracking and did they consider a standalone fitness tracker maybe a couple of years ago before they could have built this device that does all of the stuff that it does and has apps and everything. Did they think about building sort of more like an iPod, right? Like an yeah. iPod that doesn't have apps. You can't run and maybe runs like an iPod OS where it's just dedicated to fitness and that they've thought through all of these interface things. You know, they've had way more years thinking about the interface for these things than than some of these other features. It's right. occurred to me that that, no, no, that I seems think like that, that's a very... I think that makes a lot of sense. I actually wish that Apple, what they would make is instead of a watch, I kind of want like a thin band that I can wear with a watch. That I can wear a regular watch and then there's a thin band that's kind of almost like a bracelet that has that shows me, that does fitness tracking and shows me the weather, shows me the temp, current temperature outside to me that would be and then you know maybe could do a couple of other apple things if they really wanted to you know like apple pay or something but but to me that that would be the perfect situation because i'd get to wear a regular watch which i really like and then i would i could just have this sort of accessory because the watch is really an accessory like that i think and you were talking about that before we were t- i don't know how we got back to this my fault we got back to the watch but anyhow okay so really quickly because we don't have a ton more time but i do want to i mean we're, we're totally off topic but um since this will be uh, this will be out on Monday, uh, predictions for do you have any predictions for WWDC? Do you think there's anything that's going to be a surprise? Do you know? Can you share anything that you know that you've heard through your uh, elaborate and enormous network of Apple uh, insiders? Not not affiliated you know, with I Apple actually, Insider. I I actually know so much less about upcoming stuff than I used to because I used to fish for it more and. I, I just, I grew tired of that. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm getting old, but I feel like there's so much that we can write and talk about that has been announced that I just don't really even try to get upcoming right. stuff. So, so you think Gurman, you think Gurman uh, stuff, uh, some of the stuff he sh- he has on um, their kind of Google, they're going to do a Google Now play. Does that seem right to you? It sounds plausible. I think that they could do it their own way, you know, and I, it's like we it's going all the way back to the beginning of this episode, like, I, you know, just talking about iOS and Android, that they've both kind of filled up each other's each representative glass of features. And now they're at the level where there's just tiny little things that they're evening up, like a smarter copy and paste interface for Android that's a lot like the iPhones. I mean, such a little thing, but it's like you said, ultimately, there's one good way to do it on this device. And that happens to be one where Apple came up with it first. And it's really just natural that it's going to go to the other. And I think that on the other side, with Android and with Google, there are some of these, uh, like, like where the device knows what you're doing, where you are, and can be a little smart just based on, hey, I know what you do at, at six o'clock in the evening when you're at this place. Is <laughs> I know you pack up, up your to. stuff and drive home. <laughs> sure. Right. But yeah. it's true, right? Uh, I know where you've been. No, but, but it, is, it true. is true. But, but the, con- the context aware stuff is huge. I mean, that's, that to me is a whole new yeah. frontier. I think young young Mark Gurman over there at 9to5Mac has been kicking ass on on. Stuff that Apple does not want out, unrelated, you know, secret Apple stuff, Apple rumors. Uh, I think he's done a better job of it than anybody who's ever tried to do it. No, it's he, he it's, is he has been more right about more stuff 
that is truly not for not ready for publication, not for prime time in terms of what Apple, you know, puts out into the world. He's been more right, right than I think anybody who's ever covered the leak the leak stuff. Right. Um, right. And you, you know, know like we've had when, our, when we, snow- you, you and I both have had our moments, uh, uh, but nothing like German has like full on. He's like, here's exactly what the OS is going to be like before they say a word about it. Right. I mean, he nailed iOS uh, seven. He nailed it. And, and you know what's funny about that is is um, mm. if you can go if you remember it, um, he did. The uh, he had like the icons. He's like, this is what the icons are going to look like. I've done a mock up of them, or somebody did a mock up of them. Do you remember this? Yeah, I do. And and, uh, and he had the icons pretty much dead to rights. He did yeah. not have the whole interface. <laughs> no, he didn't. He had a lot of it, but but the icon stuff. And I was like, there's no way this is it because these icons look ridiculous. Like, because yeah, you remember, yeah. I really didn't like the. I, I still don't like a lot of the icons. Right. But 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 right. I was like, there's no way this is right, and it was dead right. I'm sure Apple loves him. Oh, very much so. Oh, well, here's my point. You know when the Snowden stuff first came out, and and uh, people like you know what I like to do? I like to watch spy movies. Mm -hmm. I love the Bond movies. I like the Bourne movies. You're a big you're a big Bond fan. I'm I'm a big spy movie fan in general, but I like the Bond movies and. You know, there's this view of the world in those movies where Eric Snowden, somebody would have gone and like put a snuck up and, and a super assassin would have put a bullet in his head. Right. And he would have been taken care yeah. of. And there's also a series of, you know, there's the type of movies where major corporations are evil and they do, you know, terrible things. If they, if Apple were an evil corporation, Mark Gurman, something, something terrible would happen a, to the brake line. line the brake line would be cut, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, he would be dead is what you're saying. That you think if Apple were truly evil, Mark Gurman would be murdered. Yes. Yeah. I don't think the secrets well, are that other, valuable, though, are they, at this point? No, no, no. I think that they're just mildly annoyed at it. This is not but like here's the, the yeah. thing, though. The thing that's so interesting to me is if Mark Gurman said, I'm bored with this, I'm stopping, the the amount of pre-release stuff that we would know about WWDC would be a, 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 just a thimbleful compared well, somebody to the might, bucket. Somebody would come in and take his place. It's like, uh, you know, there's always, there's always somebody know. waiting in the wings. I mean, there's always apparently somebody at Apple who wants to share stuff that they're not supposed to share. All right, really quickly. Well, I was just going to say, though, but a lot of the other stuff, a lot of the stuff that we know about WWDC is inevitable because some of it is it, the stuff where they have to talk to other companies is inevitably leaks. Yeah. So the fact that they're seemingly on the cusp of announcing a streaming music service. Well, of course, that's going to leak because they had to talk to all the music labels. And right. the fact that they are seemingly on the cusp of a new TV type service where you can order up for X dollars a month and get 20 30 channels of content of course that's going to leak because they're talking to all of these different yeah, channels yeah um networks. let's really quickly i'm going to go through a couple of things here um before you have to go even though we're a little, sure. a little bit over favorite bond movie Ooh, tough question uh off the top of my head from russia with love Okay, now who who is Bond in that film? Is that Connery? Uh, it's Sean. It's the second Sean Connery one, and it's it's probably it's it's one that doesn't have any kind of like secret base in a volcano or anything like that. It's sort of a smaller spy movie, and where it's it's you know, and like the culmination, it's just a fist fight with an assassin on a train. It's <laughs> who is, just sort. Of, you know what I mean? Can you name the bond that I think it's the bomb? Is it the bomb between Connery and uh, Moore, or is it the? Is it the? There's a there's an odd bond that's like one or two movies. There, well, there's two. There's George Lazenby. George Lazenby. George Lazenby is the one I was thinking of. Uh, but then who there's also one. Then there's also also. Uh, uh, who's the other one? Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton, who is uh, is tremendous in the in the uh, new Showtime series. Uh, uh, the name I can't think of right now. 
but it's about he's he's seriously like one of the best actors of the twentieth to twentieth first century. He's very like, good. He, I don't I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not. He is a good actor. No, what is the no, name of the Showtime series that he's in? Why can't I think of it? It's about it's kind of a horror. It's set in the Victoria Victorian era London. Uh, oh, I forget. You know, it's got uh, uh, my wife watches. Yes, it, so I it's very know. sexy. It's very sexy. You should no. Timothy Dalton is like the guy who like when there's going to be like a big London production of a Shakespeare play they no matter what they just go to timothy dalton to see if he'll play the the male right. lead they're like will you do you know, it? sometimes we're, we're not gonna be get anybody yeah. in this theater all right so um now what do you do in your free time when you are not podcasting about about on the subject of technology or, or other things in your sort of um professional area uh, or writing for for daring fireball what is it what is down what does downtime look like to john gruber uh, watch, watching baseball. <laughs> it's bad that you don't have an answer. <laughs> You're like, I don't have, I don't have a life outside of. Do you not have a lot of downtime? Are you overworked? No, I can't say that I'm overworked. I, but you know, I watch movies with, play video games with my son, and you know, I watch watch the Yankees play video games. Yeah, well, do, no, I watch him play video games. You watch him play video games. You're not a you're not a gamer. Yeah. Do you own no, a, Do you own a, Do you own any game consoles? Oh man, we've got a PS4. We've got a uh, whatever the latest Nintendo thing is. Although I'll tell you that thing, <laughs> my observation is that thing does not get turned on anywhere near as much as the, the PS4. Wii U. You're talking about the Wii U. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. not a big hit. No, not a big. So I've played with my son. We have the I forget which Bond game it is. If it's called GoldenEye, it's not the old N64. GoldenEye, I think they remade. I think like, they did I, a remake of GoldenEye. I want to say I could be wrong. Yeah. But. And, and I've played with my son on it, and he it just he he it beats me like ten to one, ten to zero every time, and so I can't play anymore because he, he I can't just crushes losing to it. Just crushes you. Can't I can't take it. I can't. Nah, take you it. don't seem like you'd be a gr- you'd be great at losing. I don't know. I mean, I don't know you that yeah. well, but at a glance, I would feel like you don't like losing. Yeah, I'm a. I've never been a good loser. Right, um, but you like baseball. I do. And your team, your I favorite team, is is what? Who? And the New York Yankees. You like the New York Yankees, even though you live in Philadelphia, right? And you're are you, that is are you from Philadelphia? Originally? Uh, the Philadelphia region. I grew up about fifty miles. Well, I mean, but from the general sort of the the general area of Philadelphia. But you're you're. But why? You said that you said the Yankees. Why the Yankees? Yeah. Uh, well, my grandfather was a Yankees fan. My dad was a Yankees fan. Although by the time I got into baseball, my dad was no longer a Yankees fan. My and my dad. He turned uh, his he turned his back on the Yankees. He turned his back on the Yankees when the American League. Now this is really inside baseball. No pun intended. Inside but baseball. When baseball. the American League added the rule called the designated hitter, which meant that pitchers yeah. no longer had to bat. My dad really was turned off by that. And then there was a time really? when when Yogi Berra was the manager of the Yankees. I forget what year. This might have been, this was after the DH rule. Like my dad was halfway out the door as soon as the American League put the DH rule in. And then when. Uh, I think it was George Steinbrenner filed, fired Yogi Berra as manager. My dad said, "You can't fire Yogi. You can't fire Yogi Berra," and that's it. So my dad's a National League man now and, and watches the Phillies. But my grandfather, wow. every time in the summer, I ever went to my grandfather's house. My dad's dad. Uh, I can't remember going there and not having uh, the Yankees on the TV set there. So that was part of it. And then the other part mm. is it just nat- they just naturally appealed to me because I thought they had the best uniforms. I thought they had the best tradition they had the best stadium uh and i just love their attitude their attitude was every we should win the world series every year yeah. like most teams they it's didn't. like they don't though 
No, but that's but that, I'm not. I don't follow. I don't follow the sport of baseball. But no. my understanding is the Yankees do not always win the World Series. No, they've won 27 times, roughly in like the last yeah. hundred years or so. So they win an awful lot, like aggregated. It's pretty good. Uh, yeah. But their attitude is that their attitude, though. So they've won way more than anybody else. But their attitude is that they've been terrible failures because they haven't won all of them. And I, I, they, that's good. They don't. They're bad losers as well. Right. They're bad at losing. All right. Finally. Uh, I think finally, who knows where this will go? But uh, what's the worst thing? What's the worst product that Apple's ever made in history? <laughs> Boy, that's really could hard be software. To say. It could be software. It could be hardware. Uh, has to be one of the one of those two, though. I, what's the worst product, and why? Obviously, I, I I can't name one particular model, but I would say it was the entire strategic decision around ninety. Five ninety four to go with this Performa lineup, and where they had like yeah. a Performa four twenty five, a Performa four seventy five. I'm making up these numbers. Uh, no, and, yeah, and, I had a. I think I had a Performa. Well, and it was like the Performa four seventy five was roughly equivalent to a Quadra four. Fifty, even though it had a different number, but the Quadra was one that you would buy from like an a- Apple authorized computer store, and the Performa was one you would buy at like uh, Best Buy or wow. you know, one of those stores back you then. You just like you, you just totally sparked like a memory for me of this. I t- completely forgot that there was this reality where you're right. There were like the real like professional like Apple reseller places that had like that would sell these like the big boy computers. And then there was like a family line. Yep. That was Performa was like the family line. And it, and it was so confusing and and the prices didn't make sense and it just made it it made it so hard to just even decide what to buy. And I, to me that was the that was the worst thing Apple's ever done because it was it was the most important thing and it was the only thing at the, at that point say, in time uh, the Macintosh was keeping them alive there was no other product that kept them alive and and instead of like cherishing that and making it like as easy to buy one as possible they made it as difficult as possible to buy one yeah that's interesting that's uh who was ceo at the time it's uh it was uh probably michael spindler there was that you know it might have started while right you know, there was this that weird, was messy. yeah, it was, it was a messy and ugly time at Apple. Um, actually I had another one. I got one more and then, and then I'll let you go. Um, cause you've been a great sport and I really appreciate it. Um, what do you do when you wake up in the morning? What do you look at? What do you read? What's the first thing you look at? Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. How many people do you follow on Twitter? That's an excellent question. I don't know. Let me see if I can quickly look this up without, uh, I'm going to guess around 500. Yeah. Guess let's let's yeah do a guess and then let's actually see. So Go I look. I guessed five hundred. I follow nine hundred twenty-one people. Nine hundred twenty-one. That's a lot of people. That's very. Surprising. I found I found uh, a great trick. It started as a joke, but then it became an actually a great trick for not um, allowing my Twitter feed to become too crusty or noisy. Um, which is I started I stopped at six hundred and sixty six people. I was like, I'm gonna follow six hundred and sixty six people. And uh but now what happens is every time I want to follow somebody new, I have to get rid of somebody old. So I have to keep going back into the archives and seeing who I'm not really who I don't really care about or I'm not really paying attention to or hasn't tweeted in a long time. So my recommendation for you if you're worried about your Twitter feed getting out of hand, which I know you are, uh is uh use my technique. Pick a number. Um I'll recommend one for you, four twenty. For instance, it might be a good one for you. Uh, so, what you do you find do? What, a... What's your answer to that same question? What do you look at first thing in the morning? Twitter, 
It's Twitter. And the funny thing about Twitter is that that's not normal for most people. Twitter is actually not a very popular service. I mean, you and I right. use Twitter because we're because we're in the field of journalism and and uh, and technology and we're very up on like we need to know what's going on right this second. Um, th- most human beings don't. And they don't use Twitter like that, and they don't think of it that way. And so it's very unusual. I think people wake up and they look at Facebook, maybe, or they check their email or text messages. Um, but for me, it's it's Twitter because that's the easiest way to find out if something horrible has happened. Yeah. To me, usually, I used to be, usually years ago. It was email for me, of course, because there weren't that many other options. Yeah. And going to, I'm going to check email later in the morning, and I'm going to already have had a coffee, and I'm already settled in has made my life much better. Well, I still check. I still have to, I mean, I, you know, listen, you're an independently employed man. You right. get, you set your own schedule and nobody's calling you in for a meeting. Um, but I have to check email because there's definitely stuff in email that's, you know, if I don't get to it, it there are going to be problems. Right. But, but it's definitely a secondary consideration. Right. That um, it, to me is the greatest luxury of being truly independent and not having anybody above or below me. I have no employees is that I can deprioritize email in general. And it is truly the, the biggest, uh, like attention improvement in my life. Oh, emails, emails, a complete nightmare. I mean, I have between two email accounts, the work email, and then my personal email, I probably have 5,000 unread messages. They're they're never going to be read. I mean, they're, they're lost in the sands of time. They're either not important or if they were important, I I won't get to them. So if, if, if anybody's listening to this actually, and they, and they sent me something that's very important, they haven't had a response, just resend it now because, um, I probably just missed it because my, my situation's completely out of control. There should be a service. I would love to, and I, I, you'd have to really trust this service. And then after this point, I think we will wrap up. But there should be a service where they will go into your email. A human being who you trust will go into your email and will go through all of it. Like, I don't care how long it takes. It could be a couple of weeks or whatever. And will, like, actually deal with the things that are in your email that have not been read. Yeah. That in would one be way or another. Like, I would do that. They'll make a decision. Like, okay, this is spam. I'm going to get rid of it. This is actually important. Oh, this is a thing from their bank. You know, like, that's a free idea, free startup idea. I have a lot of this. Anyhow, um, John, thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, I would I would love to do this again. I would actually like to get you. We did this over Skype. I would very much like next time you're in New York, you should let me know and you can come in the studio and we can do this in person because um, we can have a drink. Yeah. You drink, right? Uh, what well, do you, you drink? Manhattans, right? What is your thing? You stopped drinking? I, yeah, well, I, yeah, I did. I stopped drinking. You did totally? Well, it was like two days ago. <laughs> oh, me too. Really? I stopped drinking two days ago also. I don't know if I'm going to make it through the weekend because uh, my parents are, are coming to visit uh, the family this weekend. So I'll probably start drinking this evening. But um, it feels great, doesn't it? Two days clean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyhow, good luck with that. No. And maybe I'll see you in a few weeks in uh, San Francisco. Oh, you'll definitely see me in San Francisco. Well, there we go. That's right. Well, we should hang out there. We should do something. We should go out and get a drink. Yeah, we'll go out and get a drink. That sounds great. That sounds great. All right, John, thanks so much uh, uh, for joining. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me, John. 